When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Jeff Drake from the Joneses, and you're listening to the Pantheon Podcast Network. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Well, hello once again. Welcome back to another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. This is episode 155. I'm calling it the It Band. Uh, It in quotation marks. Uh, So this is the idea. um, I've been using a term lately when going on all these video shows about these messy messianic bands right or or bands that had a messianic complex or or we applied that to them or they had it themselves whatever this whole idea of the second coming of rock and roll who will save rock and roll as the dictators uh would say so i'm i'm pretty much uh calling this synonymous uh this messianic concept with the it band i was even going to try to put messianic into it so but it's kind of one of these funny words it's like we were on facebook the other day complaining about you know when we were actually talking about uh, how heavy can it get the last episode the idea of groove and what a silly word that sounds like and using the word mellow and using the word melody like all these words every time you type them or use them to describe music it there's there's just this weird frustration factor isn't there but anyways so yeah this messianic uh quality you know this is the idea of uh of bands that for a brief period took up all the oxygen in the room everybody was talking about them they were bands with deep meaning they were bands that uh, just seemed to cut above destined for greatness all that kind of stuff and oddly enough uh or interestingly enough uh, not all of these uh, got to be massive massive bands but some of them did and then conversely there are a lot of massive bands that i wouldn't put in this uh in this category, which uh, which we will talk about. Uh, this also came up with a little bit of debate going back and forth. Uh, Don the Chaldean, I think Brian Bailich was in on this one as well. All this stuff about... Um, how heavy can it get? And really, you know, we used Pantera in there as a as a, a marker, and uh, and we debated that a little bit on the Facebook between the three of us and a couple other people, I believe, as well. Um, but also, uh, what came up was this narr- narrative of were they an it band? Don didn't really think so, but I I remember at the time everybody, you know, Pantera definitely was an it band. And kind of the funny thing here is that compare them to Metallica, like like Don brings up that Metallica would win the '90s for it band but i kind of disagree because um i think metallica was more the it band around ride and then master than they were when they were massive around the self-titled album um you know not in 90 91 into load you know coming off of justice um 
I think there was more excitement around them and more of a messianic quality around them, but but not messianic in terms of I, there's not really much heavy metal in here because I don't think these bands are are the ones that were saddled with deep meaning and their massive critic darlings. But in a certain extent, I think Metallica fits this a little bit better. They, they fit the it band thing, put it that way. Um, they fit that much better around Ride and Master than they do around uh, Metallica or the Black Album. Um, anyways, yeah, so let's uh, let's go into our first selection here and we shall discuss. Take a listen to this. This is The Clash with the Card Cheat. All right, The Clash from London Calling. I've talked about this album a lot and the band a lot. And obviously I have a Clash book um, that went out of print and is now back in print through PM Press uh, where we look at every single song. But when London Calling came out, the Clash number one is considered, uh, you know, the, one of their tag names, really cool tag name, the only band that matters. So London Calling comes out December 1479. It's a double album. I wanted to play you a song off of this that feels messianic and gospely. And some of them definitely feel that way on on here. Uh, what's the other? I, there's there's a oh, uh, there's a few on Sandinista, actually, that feel quite gospely, but the card cheat definitely feels that way here most. And of course, to get that way, you have to have Mick Jones singing rather than uh, Joe Strummer. But Joe Strummer gives that 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 older messianic quality that you get out of a Bob Dylan. Like Joe Strummer kind of reminded people of Bob Dylan a little bit. And Elvis, there's another messianic guy. So so the whole the whole history of this, going back just to just to uh kind of go a little off topic here, is that, you know, you you might have said this about Elvis Presley. Um I think you definitely said this about the Beatles. Um, but again, they're missing kind of this, this one little quality, you know, that Beatles, Elvis, Bob Dylan, I think Bob Dylan has a little bit more of the, of the messianic end of it versus the it band end of it, if you will. Um, Beatles are obviously the it band and Bob and Bob Dylan would be the messianic quality kind of thing. And really we don't have, we don't have these, uh, moving forward through, you know, I'm picking Clash as a first example here in 1979, but I would not say uh, in particular Van Halen was this sort of thing, even Led Zeppelin, even back in 6970, uh, I wouldn't say so much. Maybe there's an it band quality there. I don't think the Rolling Stones ever had this. I don't think the Who ever had this. So it's a very specific thing we're talking about here. And the other thing um, that, I, that I find important to this concept when other people, uh, you know, when we were debating this a little bit prompting this episode uh, is that I think you have to be new and fresh and coming in and and you're like sweeping everybody aside and saying hold my beer kind of thing it, it can't be it can't be the rolling stones around tattoo you which I feel there wasn't it band sort of thing when you when they come back or Aerosmith uh, later on you know on their second wave so it's not it's not all about fame um, but also like I say, 
even if it is or if it isn't about fame, you kind of have to be new. It has to be, you have to be coming in for your first time. Now, I'm going to break that rule uh, shortly, but I'm going to explain it to you as well. But no, the, the Clash, I think, really fits this. You've got that Elvis Presley derived color uh, cover to London Calling. You've got the very important thing or, or you know, again, uh, here's the debate whether this this is truly exactly uh uh, equates to Critics Darling. I don't think it does equate exactly to Critics Darling, but it does in The Clash's case because at the end of 1980, London Calling, the Paz and Jop poll, which is a, a consortium of critics in, in the Village Voice, you know, what could be more it bandy uh, or Critics Darling, put it that way, than Village Voice. Anyways, London Calling was voted the greatest uh, album of the year um, in Village Voice by the has and drop poll and then and then elsewhere uh new york times gave it a, a, a massive review uh said it was great uh let's see what else we got here this is an album that captures all the clashes primal energy combines with a brilliant production job by guy stevens and reveals depth of invention and creative bear uh, creativity barely suggested by the band's previous work rockwell said charles uh that's rockwell charles char murray wrote an enemy that was the first record to be on par with the band's hype while melody maker critic james truman said the clash had discovered themselves by embracing american music styles that's the other thing about this so you know this idea of messianic there's kind of a jesus complex uh that you could apply to this where um they're pulling from all these different uh musical history things trying to be universal trying to be all things to all people so this is the clash really stepping out from you know first album is really punky the second one's punky but it's a little more uh, put together longer songs, a little heavier, a little riffier. Um, but this one, there's no heaviness on it at all. So so it's this idea of saying we can do it all and we are doing it all. A little bit of a Led Zeppelin thing going on. It's a double album as well. Um, but yeah, you look at all the um, the star ratings, uh, five star ratings from All Music and Blender and four star ratings, Chicago Sun Times, Chris Gow's Record Guide, A+, Encyclopedia of Popular Music, five stars, LA Time, four, uh, Times, four stars, Q, five stars, Rolling Stone Album Guide, five stars. So this is a big, big album. And again, they continue it on, I think, with Sandinista, although, um, you know, to a certain extent, uh, the Clash is really only this super exciting it band right in and around London calling. It's not so much, um, you know, as much as people love the first one and the second one, not so much there and not even so much definitely post Sandinista where they actually have their biggest hit album with Combat Rock. They're not really the it band or messianic at that point. It's really only right around London calling that this happens. All right, let's move on to our second example here. Um, number two, take a listen to this. This is Bruce Springsteen with Downbound Train. I Okay, so I told you I was going to break the rule. I promised I would, and here I am. Because Bruce Springsteen, I'm putting him in here to kind of represent uh, the first one of the 80s. I've got a couple of 80s in here. Um, but I wanted to put him in here when he was 
kind of most messianic. And this is around Born in the USA. This album, so he has The River, which is a double. Uh, it's certified now at five times platinum. Nebraska is his his quiet, moody one, you know, more acoustic, and it went platinum. Born in the USA comes out. Uh, it is now certified at 17 times platinum. And then he actually drops down to three times platinum. So um, this is his big, big moment. This is the big Americana album. You know, John, John Mel... Uh, is he Mellencamp by this point, 84? I think he is. John Cougar Mellencamp. No, I think he's John Cougar Mellencamp. He's doing well as well uh, with this sort of sound but Bruce Springsteen is basically you know America's hero the voice of America at this point uh, he is messianic uh, like you wouldn't believe he's the it band like you wouldn't believe you know the iconic front cover with him facing away there with the you know the the uh, the rag hanging out of his uh, uh, pants I think uh, back pocket I believe but there's the American flag there there was that whole flap about well that song born in the USA just became basically America's second, you know, national anthem during that time. Uh, huge, huge anthem. Um, many, many hits across this whole album. I'm not playing you a hit off this, but I wanted to play you one where, um, you know, it really shows the, you know, the Jesus complex thing again, the, 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 um, you know, identifying with the working man. So this is a whole story about lost my job, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff, had a girl, blah, blah, blah. So this is, this is that side of it as well, you know, which, you know, Nebraska as well, uh, was, was about the plight of the working man as well. And so, so Bruce Springsteen is basically, you know, embracing all, all Americans and Americana and, and really talking about class and economy and all that sort of stuff. But, um, um, this is the second time, like I say, because back in, oh, so October 27th, 75, this is a famous thing about Bruce Springsteen. So Born to Run had just come out August 25th of 75, and he made the cover, uh, the front cover of Time and Newsweek uh, in exactly the same week, um, which is, again, uh, he was considered, a, what is the quote? Rock's new sensation, right? So so the critics loved him. He's coming from New York, so he's he's on, he's on, uh, he's coming out of that media center versus the Detroit media center or the LA media center. But he was, he was essentially considered like the second coming of rock, you know, the new Bob Dylan sort of thing. So he definitely had uh, the it band factor, the messianic factor uh, already once before in 75. And now he's getting it uh, more or less, uh, well, definitely in, in a big way again in 1980. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Four. All right, this episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling well, motivated right now, and would like some tools to help, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And special offer to History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash five songs. That's betterhelp.com slash five songs. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Um, all right, so let's move on to our third selection here. Let's take a listen and we shall discuss. This is U2 with In God's Country. Okay, so you too. Wow. Um, so this is a big one as well. Um, definitely the messianic factor. I mean, they actually literally have their uh, their religious upbringing and they're Irish and all that kind of thing. And uh, and definitely the first two albums were very well received. Uh, War uh, is arguably when they're really starting to get that it, it factor. It really picks up with Unforgettable Fire, with Pride in the Name of Love, which is a big sort of, uh, you know, with with that buoyant 
gospel sort of, um, you know, universal, uh, good feeling, uh, you know, heavy, even groovy sound. Uh, it's got the magic of rock and roll in it, right? So October 1st, 84. Um, but yeah, it starts to build with the likes of Sunday, Bloody Sunday and New Year's Day. So, you know, they're political, they're religious. Um, you know, Bono's got that voice. Um, so, you get up to Joshua Tree, March 9th, uh, 87, uh, you know, followed by Rattle and Hum, October 10th, 88. Uh, this is off of Joshua Tree. I wanted to pick uh, you something with, uh, you know, <laughs> messianic in the in the title, I guess, uh, In God's Country. Um, but yeah, this album, they were definitely the it band, the saviors of rock and roll, the most important band, the band with the deepest meaning, the new clash uh, kind of thing. I mean, this really is the first time, um, you know, that he uk band is is uh is really like making making a a uh you know piercing the pop culture veil as it were um and uh and just kind of being a a serious heavy duty band that uh that people love universally because this album uh, also goes diamond it becomes a massive huge album and then interestingly enough rattle and hum is the follow-up and it's a double album and it's a it's a mix of live and studio and there's a there's more americana to it so they're almost treading that same path where u two's leaving their traditional sound and embracing embracing universally all these things which is a messianic jesus complex thing to do uh the same way Cla the the clash did it on london calling and they're kind of doing it on rattle and hum but they get a little bit of stick for it and um it almost seems like the bloom is a little bit over after two huge albums of this of this style and arguably you know war as well and uh at this point they're they're um you know that album didn't review as well as the joshua tree but during the Joshua Tree, they were absolutely the the big massive uh, do no wrong band, um, you know. And again, just to just to talk about the '80s a little bit before we move on, um, you know, people have brought or I I brought up actually. I think uh, I think a good example here um, is Jane's Addiction. I think there was definitely a feeling uh, of this around Jane's Addiction, um, but I wouldn't say. I think Don brought this up as well. Def Leppard, Guns N' Roses, not ACD. I, I don't believe any of these fit uh, this this uh, sort of area as well. Actually, I've got some quotes coming a little later. We definitely had um, some nice help and input on this episode from Mick Phelan and Neil Miller. And I think, oh, what are we talking about here? This, yeah, I mean, I, we were all in, in agreement uh, essentially on YouTube, but I've, I've actually got some quotes as we move forward. I'm going to re read you a little bit about my, what Mick talked about about in terms of some of these uh, kind of the British situation. But before we get there, um, let's move on with our next selection. We're going to move into the 90s here. Take a listen to this. This is Pearl Jam with Rearview Mirror. Okay, so, um, you know, talking this over with Mick, um, you know, we, we, you know, back and forth a little bit, or was it Neil? I'm not sure, but, you know, I, I definitely thought I had to include either Nirvana or Pearl Jam in here, and, and I really felt that Nirvana doesn't really fit. Um, I don't think people assign that messianic quality to anything Nirvana was doing, uh, you know, besides Nirvana being such a huge, huge 
uh, like Nevermind being a massive album, they, they're definitely an it band, but, but to, to combine the it band with the messianic quality, I think you got to go to Eddie Vedder and, and the 10 album, uh, you know, their first album. But I wanted to pick something from Versus because I, I feel like nothing, nothing says messianic from this band, uh, better than the chorus of Rearview Mirror. I just always love this song. And that chorus is just, just sends me. It's it's amazing, amazing chorus. And Daughter is on here as well, uh, which was a big, big uh, song. So, you know, I, I don't think you would, I, I, I would think the, uh, the blinding light that shone from Pearl Jam and Nirvana in terms of the co- combination of these two concepts, uh, almost like put Soundgarden and Alice in Chains uh, in, uh, off to the side a little bit. I don't think anybody looked at them quite the same way as they did these two, let alone anybody else from the grunge scene. Um, but, you know, besides these bands, Faith No More was a little bit of an it band. Um, you know, one thing I, I forgot to mention here is, um, a, as I was kidding around with Mick, it's like, when you think of bands who might fit this, think about who made the cover of the Rolling Stone, but probably only made it once. Uh, and that and that was your clue that they were the it band at this time. And I remember Faith No More made the cover of the Rolling Stone. Um, and I think Soul Asylum did too. And that's another one that I feel like was an it band. Um, as they got a little more commercial, um, a little more melodic, they had that one big hit from, what is it, Grave Dancers Union? I can't remember the name of it. Somebody to Shove, I guess. Um, and maybe another couple of songs. So, so at that point, they turned in... I was a huge fan already. I loved them. Um, they're from Minneapolis. They had some good clang and riffy, punky, you know, good rock and roll uh, from their earlier albums. And they got more commercial and more commercial. And then voila, they have a hit with that album. And, you know, it's got that green cover, right? Uh, greenish gray tint cover. And then they do it again, the same kind of cover, but they get even more melodic. And all of a sudden the bloom's over. People are not considering them particularly, uh, you know, it band or messianic. But yes, uh, and remember, Dave Perner um, went out with uh, Winona Ryder, right? So they they um, they had the, they were the it couple uh, for a while there. So so definitely, I think Soul Asylum and Faith No More share that thing where where for a brief moment they were the it band, and I think both of them were on the on the cover of Rolling Stone. Um, you know, a couple other ones that Mick brought up, uh, Black Crows. Um, there's definitely some messianic buzz around them, and it's that's more the. Um, you know, the Americana, the roots rock, the traditional, the timeless, uh, the idea of London calling or rattle and hum. What, one of them as well, I, th- I think it was Mick brought up, or no, uh, Neil brought up the band. Um, and the band definitely has that. I, I don't, I wouldn't go so far as to say they were ever particularly the it band. I mean, they are a critics darling band, but uh, no, I, I wouldn't put them there, but I'd, but I'd say they have that traditional Americana timeless quality. I always say those guys sound like they could have that, you know, that music could have come out during the civil war uh, era and, and you wouldn't really notice a lot of difference, uh, counting crows a little bit, um, blind melon a little bit when they had their kind of hit status, uh, at the time as well. Um, so there's a good nineties, uh, sort of wrap up, um, let's go to our last selection here and discuss this is suede with so young.
All right. So this is suede, uh, you know, uh, known in the U.S. as the London suede. I wanted to pick this over uh, to represent the idea of um, the British hype machine where they kind of cry wolf where there's uh, bands are, um, you know, put forth as uh, the saviors of rock and roll, the messianic band, but too many of them are, and they kind of fizzle, or it doesn't translate over to the States. This I wanted to pick for a couple of reasons. A, it's one that didn't translate over to the States. They didn't become so big in the States. But B, um, hilarious, hilarious. I, I just remember uh, this was a, a, a trip I did with my wife to um, England, well, well, all Eng England, Wales, Scotland. We just the whirlwind tour of you know right, right to the right to the north to uh, to tongue and you know all the uh, in Scotland and all of the um, you know the, all of the castles and museums and and we saw a ton of stuff in two weeks. We just just went nuts uh, as tourists. So, but the funny thing is, on the radio all the time in the old rent a car um, was suede. We were listening to the suede constantly and, and this song so young and, and what else off of this? So this is off of the debut, um, you know, with the androgynous, the, the two people kissing, you can't tell if they're guys or girls, but, uh, animal nitrate. Um, what else was the big one on here? Metal Mickey. Anyway, so they were dubbed in 92, the best new band in Britain by Melody Maker. Um, following year, went to the Suede, went to the top of the UK album charts, becoming the fastest selling debut in almost 10 years. It won the Mercury Music Prize and helped foster Britpop as a musical movement. So I could have picked Oasis in here as well. Um, but Oasis is another one that uh, is kind of interesting. They're the biggest of all these bands. They maybe even have the most magic and bravado and they've got a long catalog and they're very beloved and well-regarded um you know it it translated over to the states as well um but i don't know i mean there's there's there was definitely an it band quality but not so much the messianic quality assigned to them it almost feels like there was even more of that messianic thing applied to suede and and also to keep it british here uh the Smiths, definitely, there's a little bit of this as well. Uh, Neil Miller says Suede were being hailed as the next big thing before the release of the band's first single. Oh, yeah, so yeah, uh, they were on the cover. Uh, before their first single, Melody Maker featured the band on the cover uh, on April 25th with the headline Suede, Best New Band in Britain. Um, Mick Phelan writes, British press famously builds bands up only to rip them down. That's that's true. People people say that. Suede were a precursor to the Britpop explosion in the 90s. They had the androgynous lead man and proper distinctive lead guitarist. Prominent guitar solos distinctly missed during the 80s, ushering in the return of the love affair with the guitar. Interesting point, Mick. A great example of the media creating a band. Follow-up album, just as good, yet media love waned for six months for the discerning muso, the fan who read Melody Maker and the Enemy. They were the band media tried this with other bands of course see the replacements so oh, the replacements that's not a british band um but yeah replacements were definitely the it band for a little while there um you know tim pleased to meet me kind of era um let's see uh the band that actually sees the zeitgeist, this is Mick Phelan writing this to me again, the man on the street. Oasis, definitely, maybe, and what's the story? Morning Glory for a time. Every man, boy, girl, granny knew what the Gallagher brothers were. Uh, just as they were about to make it big in the States, they artistically exploded in a cocaine cloud of self-indulgence. A mammoth, massive rock band in Europe, attendance and record sales, uh, record sale records, certainly fit the bill for being a talking point everywhere. Um 
He also mentions the Strokes were the it band uh, for for a time um, in the UK. Yeah, he he makes this point too, and I I, I this is again. Um, Tells me the strength of this concept. Um, you know, he says Queen were never that it band, yet they're so massive and so beloved. And I agree. That's that's kind of the same way I feel about a lot of these bands in this category that were big that are, that don't have that messianic quality. That he says that uh, funny the media tried to kill Queen no matter how massive they were and how many headlines Freddie got, uh, and they were never cool. Um, so this is him saying it from a you know, from a perspective over there. I think Mick's in Ireland, aren't you? Mick? I, I believe so. Um, yeah, so Mick mentions Coolest Shaker. Well, I mentioned, I asked him about Coolest Shaker, and yes, he, he's agreeing Coolest Shaker. Gomez. Uh, so there's all these bands that are put out. I remember there, there were a lot of these Britpop bands that nobody cared about over here. You know, they were pushed a little bit. The labels would send you copies of them. Uh, without laboring the point, he says, there was a hype machine for Blur, Elastica, um, Suede, even Oasis all worked with the same PR people in London. Interesting. Um, uh, Suede were definitely lauded the most, but were quickly forgotten when the media created Blur versus Oasis rivalry took certain stage. Um, the likes of Radiohead, Massive Attack were outside. Yeah, Radiohead definitely is another one that falls into this category and somewhat, um, I think they have the messianic thing and um, and the others as well. Um but yeah, boy, I'm I'm going kind of long here. I won't uh, I won't go through a lot of the rest of this stuff. I think we've touched down on most of the most of the bands here. Yeah, not much else to mention here. Um, police, yeah, police is kind of interesting. Uh, they definitely felt like the it band there for a little bit of a while. Um, Neil Miller also mentions uh, he mentions the Strokes as well. The Knack, Stone Roses, the Hives. Uh, there's a little bit uh, of this to that. More the it band thing again and not the messianic thing. Therapy, he mentions. Um, at the drive-in, I definitely remember that. White Stripes. So yeah, we don't want to get carried away and talk about just bands that were that were more or less famous for a short amount of time. I definitely wanted this to be bands that were a combination of they were they were an it band or they were an it band because they were absolutely um, sort of... Um, messianic again um so there you go if you like this show and want to support future episodes please go to kofi rhymes with no fee apparently dot uh dot com slash martin pop off hit that red support button buy me a coffee or a pint and on that front this week i want to thank andy at black sugar transmission bruce campbell lee clifford chris cook guitar david fisher ryan gavalier jamie laszlo dennis lawson augustin garcia de paredes Philip Edward Phyllis, Steve Polari, and Stephen Samchuk. Thank you all very much. Um, latest book in, I almost don't want to tell you about it because I only got four copies left, but I will be getting more, is the uh, is the big new David Bowie book, uh, Bowie at 75. The most lavish book uh, made for me ever, that's for sure. Um, I'm going to get back to the illustration work, although I am working another secret book that I have to get some progress going on, but uh, the illustration work is going great, Guns. Um, people are asking me for bands. You can do that as well, and I'll draw them. And uh, like I say, no obligation if uh, if you like what you see. I've been turning them into prints and making little cards of them and stuff. You can see all that at martinpopoff.ca, uh, martinpopoff.com again for the books. Um, yeah, the Bowie and the Yes just went up on uh, martinpopoff.com with the PayPal Buy Now buttons. I definitely have 
probably in the region of a dozen left of Yes Visual Biography 2, and I do have a few of Yes, uh, yes Visual Biography 1 as well. Still got a box of the Dio books, so I'm on my last box of that. So that's all martinpopoff.com. Um, so there you go. Uh, let me know. Uh, come over to the Facebook page and let me know uh, who I might have left out in this uh, massive It band. They were all the rage. Everybody was talking about them all up and down the, uh, the school hallways, clanging your lockers. This was the band that was super important, changing everybody's life. That was the whole idea of this episode. Go play some of these bands. Talk to you later. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.